Hi guys, my name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hi, welcome to another episode. I hope you are having a fantastic day, whether you're listening to this at the beginning of the week, midweek or end of the week, whenever it is. So disclaimer, there are some birds near my window that have just decided... <laughs> It's for noise this morning, so <laughs> if you hear some strange sounds, it's them. And then there's like 10,000 trucks. I don't know what's happening today in Parklands, but hey, we're still going to make this episode happen. So first and foremost, my week has been fantastic. I, on Thursday, emceed and moderated two panels. One had four young Kenyans who are already solving Kenya's problems around food security, around the gender gap in the digital world and digital skills, around climate change. It was so insightful. Like, I left that panel just wondering, eh, Adele, <laughs> what are you doing with all your 30 years? Because the, the panel was made up of young Kenyans, four of them, between the ages of 20 and 25. And they were so inspiring, guys, so inspiring what I got from that panel, whatever it is that your dream is, can you start working on it now? Doesn't matter if you're 20 or if you're 50, just start working on it now. Um, the second panel that I moderated actually had the president of Kenya, Uhuru Kenyatta, and the president of the Mastercard Foundation. Her name is Miss Rita Roy. And the youth in the audience, you hear those buds, eh? When I point them out, they're silent. Anyway, the youth in the audience got a chance to ask both of them questions around youth unemployment, on the creative economy. Like, it was a really insightful panel. And I, I got to, to, to moderate that. So that was absolutely fantastic. All my uncles and my aunts, because it was being live streamed on a TV station here in Kenya, um, all my aunts and un uncles were like, oh my God, we're seeing you next to the president. It was so nice. Even my parents-in-law were just like, oh, we're so excited. It was a really good, it was a really good day. And, and I think I did well. So that was fun. Funnily enough, I wasn't nervous. Yeah. Okay. There was like a uh, small amount of nerves because I was wearing high heels and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to fall down in these. But the entire thing felt so right. It felt so right. And I think that feeling overshadowed any butterflies or nerves that I had. Then what have I also been up to? So remember last week I told you Legally Clueless is getting a sister podcast, which is Perspective. And it's recorded live with a live audience at K1 Clubhouse. And so we're having the first episode ever being recorded tomorrow at 6 p.m. and entry is free for everybody. You can come through and be on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I've been doing a bit of promo for that on various media. So that's been fun. I think I'm at a point in my life where everything I'm doing is so purposeful and feels so right. It's just, I don't know. You know, my 20s, look at me talking like I'm 35. I'm just like five months into 30. <laughs> no, but seriously, this is like a valid point. My 20s were just full of confusion galore. Like, everything I was doing, I was kind of unsure of, but I was just doing it anyway. There were points in my 20s, early 20s, I was just doing what everybody around me was doing. Um, so it feels so nice to have a clear mind 
and to be so purposeful and so clear on I'm doing this because I want to. And then when I do it, it just feels right, guys. Ah, it's one of the best feelings ever. So yeah, um, I've had a great a great week. It's It's been good energy. So even in between the promo for Perspective and um, the madness that comes with that, <laughs> um, I've also been on the road recording 100 African stories. Ah, it feels so good to be in control of... Um, storytelling and using this platform to be able to allow people to share their stories i think i recorded stories all the way up to august and every week i just keep doing it and keep doing it because i think every one of us has like really powerful stories really good stories that we may not get a chance to share so i'm having fun with that in fact the story that's going to be on this episode is so necessary because of two things. The first one is I personally used to hang out with a group of guys back in the day during that confusion, my 20s confusion time. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, you know, all we ever used to do was just go out and club and party. I don't even think we were super. We thought we were friends, but I don't. It was a superficial friendship because we only ever hang out on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night. <laughs> and our conversations after that were just like, oh my God, last night was such a blur. Yeah. So it wasn't a real friendship. But what I did notice is that even when some of them were going through some tough times, they couldn't talk to each other. I mean, you spend all of this time with each other. You call each other, these are my boys, these are my blah, blah, blah. But when you're going through real human changes, you cannot be vulnerable as an African guy. You cannot be vulnerable around your boys. I always thought that was strange. And then the second reason why I feel like this today's episode story is so important is because, fam, like when you look at mental health and zero in on suicide just even globally the stats show that we have more men killing themselves than women significantly more men and then it's more black men and even bringing it home to kenya last year alone in one county there were 70 suicide cases most of them being men so there's a breakdown in the support system that men have. And obviously, I'm not a guy, so I can't fully grasp the issue and I can't fully solve it, right? But I'm glad that we're having conversations around it now. So today's story is by a guy called Chim. Chim is half Kenyan, half Nigerian, proper, proper African, eh? And um, lives in Kenya. When I was recording this story, and this happens with all the stories, I do not coach the person on what story they should give. I give them prompts to kind of help them zero in on one point in their life that could potentially be a good story. But by the time I am recording, I do not know what story they're going to record. So I was not expecting him to be this vulnerable, to be this honest, and to be this real about, funny enough, a moment in time that he had to be super vulnerable with one of his guy friends. And it ended up being one of my favorite stories to record. 
100 African stories. There is no proper life that you live in university as a musician. If I constantly just walked around feeling sorry for myself, I'm never going to get anything done. Uh, there was a bit of frustration in between all of that. I've been breaking my back for this company. Therapy is not for the weak or for the crazy. Stories from Africa. Uh, my name is Chemo Biajulu Hasiani Noasante. I'm representing uh, Kenya and Nigeria. <laughs> the one time that I realized my relationship with someone that I, I loved had changed, had grown, was... Uh, so I've known this guy for 16 years. I've known him longer than I've been an adult. For a while, there's a time he had some problems and he was depressed. And he became a recluse. So I, I kept reaching out to him and eventually he agreed to let me help him. And at the time, you know, I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know what it looked like. I just knew that there was something off about him and I knew, you know, if I can help, I'll help. And after rebuffing me for like two years, he accepted. So, you know, we moved in together. I lived in a one bedroom, so that was, that was hectic. He lived in my living room and that was hectic because it means I have to give him his privacy in the living room. Uh, eventually, we moved into a two bedroom house and he got on his feet. Thankfully, he's very hardworking, wonderful work ethic, intelligent young man. He got on his feet and at the back of my mind I always wondered whether we were really friends or he was my friend simply because, you know, there's that, it's like almost like a debt that he felt he owed because it's like, okay, this guy helped me or if it's, because we also, we were at a different point financially and in terms of our, our jobs. So I felt like maybe this is why he's around. I'm not actually a very trusting human being. <laughs> and one day my world fell to, to shit really. Um, at work there was a lot of politics, a lot of bullshit. And the one guy I realized I could talk to without any judgment, without fear of you know, showing my emotions. No, I, I, I didn't cry. But like, you know, being vulnerable was this guy. Because I sat, I'd sit down with him at the dining table after, you know, we've cooked dinner or whatever, we're just drinking and we'd talk. At first I was very guarded, but eventually I opened up and I'd, I, I was honest about my fears. I was honest about what the threat of losing my world, losing my job, losing everything was, what it felt like to me. And he'd sit silently and he'd talk and be like, bro, I remember he said this one day and I told him, one of the biggest fears I have is I wouldn't even have a home because my mom is more or less, she's semi-retired, she lives up country, her house has been rented out. So I was like, yo, I'm gonna be homeless. And he's like, bro, I don't know why you're worried about all of these things. You had my back when I had nothing. Why would you think I wouldn't have yours? And it was like, it almost, I looked at him, I was like, wait, what? It didn't really register. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, don't worry. Like, what comes to us? You always have a home. If I have a home, you have a home. It's like, yo, we'll go back. They have um, a place uh, in, the, in the middle of nowhere, uh, sitting on some, some, some farm. And it's like, yo, what comes to us? We'll go there. My family's cool with it. I'm cool with it. You'll figure it out. That, it, the first thing that did was it took away the primary concern I had, which was I need a roof over my head. The second thing it did was it made me realize I actually do have friends. I'm, I've not been giving certain people credit for being my friends because I guess for me, coming from my background, I have a lot of abandonment issues. And it was like growing up, I always felt like, you know, everyone will leave or they will reach out when it's convenient because that's what I've seen from my background. The interactions are when it's convenient. And here I was sitting with someone who was like, wow, like, that's not what this is about. You and I are friends and it's ride or die. Now, this is the point where I broke down because I remember hugging him. 
Like, I want you to imagine two guys who just look. We are not a couple. We are hetero. Um, we just cook dinner. He's a chef, so he he's cooked dinner. I've washed the dishes. I've run out to get some alcohol. We'd, uh, at this point, I was drinking heavily, mm-hmm. so I'd have we'd have like one bottle every day or every two days. So we ran out of alcohol. Now I ran out go get alcohol. We sit down. We're drinking whiskey. I just break down and I argue. It's like this would have been such a scene for a romantic comedy. And he doesn't know this, but that day it changed the way I looked at him. Like I realized I might actually have a brother. I don't know. I don't know how to explain this. I guess it's a little things. I should go back into my background a bit. So like I said, um, with all the abandonment issues that I've had, one thing that I learned was I can only rely on me. That usually means that, for instance, even when I'm on a team, I don't rely on my colleagues. Like, I will do everyone's job because I don't want you to surprise me and tell me, oh, by the way, I forgot. Like, no, if you forget, like, I'll cut you off, do your job. It's already been done, so I'll cut you off and we just keep moving. And what that has meant is it even impacts my, in terms of relationships, I don't like people getting close to me. Be this like, you know, romantic relationships or even my friendships, like you will know me up to a certain point. Beyond that, I'm like, yo, like you're too close for comfort. Now, what had been happening is as a result of how I am, people have learned, the people, I guess, my family, the people who I interact with often, that I am reliable. I will come through in my own way. I may not come through in an emotional way. I may, not, I may not come through like, you know, like don't come to me for hugs and kisses. But if there's a problem, my biggest concern will be fixing it. And the, the issues at work, I felt, were very political. So it's not something I could do to fix. It was you just ride it out and see things t- till the end. And they're still ongoing, actually. Um, but what happened was, it was worrying me because I have a family to take care of. I have um, two children, I have my mother, I have, you know, people that you, you sort of like send money to. And it was worrying me because I was like, okay, I will not be able to take care of these guys. And for two weeks, you know people talk about insomnia, you don't know what insomnia is. For, I remember the first week when everything started to implode. Um, I slept for, in seven days, I think, a total of maybe six hours in seven days because mm. I'd sleep and wake up like panicking and the thing guys don't realize is when you haven't slept you begin to hallucinate things I started having conversations I kid you not I was having conversations it's like I'd sit down with you Adele mm. and I start carrying on a conversation like we had spoken before then it's out loud I'm having conversations and it's like you know I notice guys, guys look at me like what or I just start like, oh yeah, like, you know, remember when we were talking and I told you, and you know, you look at me like, yeah. and I've had an entire conversation on my own and you responded. So I'd be like, I'm trying to remind you like, no, no, you remember you said, you said, now that had been going on. So this guy was like, yo, you have a problem mm-hmm. and you're not, I don't know what it is about you, but you're not opening up. And we started talking and as we're talking, I guess he understands how to talk to me because as we started talking, the first thing we focused on was solutions. It was like, okay this is happening, we could do this, we could do this, you could do this, right? And as we started talking, my mom called. And my mom was like, do you have any idea how lucky you are that you have a friend? But my mom was like, do you have any idea how lucky you are you have a friend that is actually, as in, willing to stick with you in the shits, as in, it's insane. And at this point in time, like, as he was cooking, I was in the bedroom, um, because I I was kind of secluding myself. So when he was done, he called me, he's like, yo, um, there's, you know, dinner's ready. So I came out, quickly did the dishes, and went for the liquor, uh, and I came back. And we sat down, we just started talking. I guess the coincidence of my mom just telling me, 
you're actually very lucky. You're actually very lucky. I began to realize not everyone that is your friend necessarily wants something from you. Not everyone that is your friend will leave because so this guy I'm, I'm speaking of, where I work, I brought him in. He was on my team. He has had a front row seat of seeing all of these problems. It has blown back onto him. It has begun to affect him. As a result, I can see that, I kid you not, being my friend, it's messing with him. In fact, on two occasions, people we work with have come and advised him, cut ties with this guy. At this point in time, he's toxic. You will go down with him. And I didn't know this. He's almost filling me in and he's like, the vault told me this and I refuse. That is not, it's not who I am. It's, yo, we are bros. This is not, like, we are not the type of, of men who be friends just when times are, times are going good, when you need a wingman, when you need to go out drinking. It's beyond that. It has moved beyond me caring about what you can put on the table. Times will be rough, bro. But at the end of the day, you know what? We'll be okay. How did it feel after having a moment that is very, if you look at the African culture, it's not manly. But if you look at the human culture, it's very <laughs> human. Mm. Immediately afterwards, <clears throat> so like I'm, I'm, I keep in mind when I say I'm, I was crying, it wasn't like full on <laughs> breakdown. It was, let me keep it gangster, like one tear, <laughs> two tears. I didn't, I didn't sob. <laughs> But yeah, like we hugged and then he was like, you know, it's very gay. <laughs> so we started laughing. <laughs> and he was like, and I have a story I, I can hold over your head. <laughs> and you know, those are, when we're done laughing, you know, he went back to eat and I went back to eat. I didn't really have much of an appetite, so I was just playing with the food. And we sat there in silence for a while. We sat there in like, actually for a long, long time. Cause I, like I said, I couldn't sleep. Um, so we sat there in silence for a while. And it was like, and by a while, I mean for like half an hour. At the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, shit. Uh, this will make things very awkward. <laughs> and I could, I, he later he told me he was saying the same thing. <laughs> but after that, like the rest of the evening, we, I remember we sat down in silence for like half an hour. And the rest of the evening was a blur. Cut to see the alcohol as well. But after that, what I've noticed with our friendship is we already used to keep it real with each other. But now it's even like when he, he'll tell me when he's feeling vulnerable, I'll tell him, well, it's usually of late it's been me who's been talking about that <laughs> more than anyone. <laughs> But yeah, like we talk. The, the house is warmer. Like the house is already like, it was a chill spot. It was our chill spot. But now it's another thing that I realized happened. And I was telling him this, and he was telling me if that has happened and I've changed is I became comfortable with silence. I used to be the kind of guy who, if, even when I'm reading a book, there has to be something in the background. Mm. I don't care if it's music, I don't care if it's a documentary, there is something in the background. Mm. We have found increasingly when we go to the digs. I'm able to just sit in silence. I'll be reading something, he'll be reading something, or he's in his bedroom and I'm in the living room, or however it goes, and we're able to just sit in silence. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'm an extrovert. I like noise. I like the energy of having people around. But now I'm able to just sit in silence. Another thing that has happened is, ever since we had that talk, the burden of what's going on at work, it's no longer, it doesn't weigh as heavily on me. So now I'm able to think clearly and start saying, now I need to chart a course. And I started chatting the way forward. And that's something, I kid you not, I can show you my phone. I actually sent him a message. I was like, yo, thank you. Thank you for being my phone. Yo, like, again, like, no more, like, honestly. Adele knows me, I'm actually a very, I'm, I'm a gangster. As in, true story by the way, I'm, I'm actually a gangster. But I was like, no homo, man, thank you. Thank yeah. you for your love, thank you for your friendship. Another thing that we started doing is now, 
we've drawn up at our digs we have like a whiteboard we've drawn up our and i was failing at something because when you come to a toxic environment it saps you of your energy so like i, I actually told adele this the other day i went home and slept i was in bed by 5 30 and i slept until five as in i'm just feeling lethargic that means i haven't done some of the things i'm supposed to be doing and he was like yo when you get home trust i'm going to check you and this is how we operate now like I trust him enough to know the criticism, as biting as it may be, is not, he's not cutting me down, he's helping. I will say this, growing up I didn't have the best uh, examples, fathers in and out, in and out all the time. Um, so what happens, you don't really get to imprint heavily on, on, on that. Yeah. When you do, when I see him and he's with people, he's usually the life of the party. Actually he's a very charismatic asshole, like everyone loves him. And it's one of the reasons why, even with me, like when I hang out with people, it's always just crack jokes. Mm-hmm. Then you become a young adult and you see a lot more... You see guys who are like that. Like You're in a group of friends, maybe you guys are four guys, right? You'll find when you're hanging out, a guy could be going through some, some serious shit. Yeah. <laughs> but when you guys are hanging out, the most that will do is... The most that he'll open up to you is like, yo, um, I'm going through a rough patch. Uh, I, need me- I need money. Guys will actually like, I right, here's money, but it will never be... You don't delve beyond that into well you went through a rough patch here understanding how african men are relied upon like what are you feeling what are you going through you don't, you don't have that you don't have that i'm still i'm still uncomfortable with the way our friendship has gone because already i work in an open plan office already the rumors were that we must be gay because i mean we are always chatting we are always hanging out the banter is always like i only address my banter to him and vice versa so the rumors already i kid you not that we must be gay and now the back of my mind now <laughs> i remember i catch myself thinking like what the fuck? i'm not attracted to him but god damn, like this man has seen me cry like he helped me on those cry what the hell what the hell like I'm still growing into, let's call it like a new chapter of friendship. Mm. I'm still growing into it and it's hella uncomfortable. I see with him nowadays, we don't have no more. Like entering into each other's physical space, it doesn't happen anymore. It's like, <laughs> you're good? I'm good. Fist bump. All right, now let's keep moving. But I like that and I know this, he would never use my moment of weakness against me because we fight. My mother usually says, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Apparently, and I've seen this, you know, my father's like, when he's upset, he's an asshole. Mm-hmm. I can be an asshole. Mm-hmm. And this guy will just be like, yo, I get it, you're going through some stuff, but I'm not the enemy. And then, he bring home, this was before I got into like a relationship, and I'd bring home women, and he'd bring home women, and it's like, I, I kid you not, we have had conversations around the dining table when he brings home women, it's like, you know you guys are a married couple. I'm like, this is so disturbing. This is so disturbing. How is this? I, I won't lie. I'm still navigating this this new chapter of friendship. Just trying to understand how we'll deal with it. Because in as much as we become closer, like now we can talk about emotions without having to, I without having to say yo, but they know homo, but I feel. In as much as we can do that now, yeah, we tend to keep our space. Mm-hmm. It's like no hugging or nothing. It was already bad enough because I'm a happy drunk. When I get drunk, I hug a lot. But now it's like. I remember the, the reason that I decided I'm done hugging was I got really, I can't remember when it was I went out. I missed a show yeah. at, uh, on a Friday. Yeah. And it's because I was really stressed and I went out and don't drink when you're stressed. Yeah. Don't. Um, I haven't gotten sloppy drunk in so many years and I got really sloppy drunk. Mm. And I was hugging and it was like, your hey, fam, just don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm looking at him like this bitch. <laughs> what? <laughs> what makes you think? Oh, okay, okay. And you have to start assuring like, yo, don't worry, don't worry. We're good. We're good. It gets weird because I, I kid you not. Okay, so I'm currently seeing someone, and our setup isn't the most. It's a manly house, a man cave, but we have a cat. Two men who live together with a cat. <laughs> a cat that is very friendly with us, but when this, this lady started checking in regularly, the cat became very hostile. So she was like, you see, he's resisting. He's like a little child who's seeing an outsider break up his parents. I was like, what, what, what? Catch our next African stories in the next episode. I really like that story. Um, thank you so much to Chim for sharing it with us. I think it's magical to have a friend that you can rely on regardless of if you're male or female. But listen to his story, I was just like, man, why can't we let men just be friends? We're also part of the problem, right? Um, and by we, I mean like society. When you see two girls who are BFFs and it's acceptable and then you see two guys having that same connection on a friendship level and it's like, hey, what's happening there? <laughs> Why can't we just let men have support systems that every human needs? I think Chim's story is quite the eye-opener. And you can tell me your thoughts about it on our Instagram page. That's at Legally Clueless Podcast. We just passed a thousand, um, what are they called? Followers. <laughs> I was going to be like family members, friends, <laughs> acquaintances. Um, no, we just passed the 1,000 follower mark. I'm really happy that the community is growing. It's really a safe space. So make sure you go onto Instagram and you can follow us there. And every single Monday, I make sure you have a brand new Legally Clueless episode. And that's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.